Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. Thank you for joining us. It is so good to have you with us today. It's really good to be back in the auditorium. We are getting there slowly. I hope your week has gone well too. Whenever an individual, community, country, or in these days, on this occasion, the whole world goes through a cataclysmic, life-changing event, the consequences are going to be seen at many levels for quite a long time. Perhaps things will never be the same again. Apart from the economic and social changes that occur after such events, such things as trauma, stress, grief, regret, anger, change, and much more for individuals start to come to the surface for many people. Research done on ladies who were pregnant when J.F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas in November 1963 shows that many of these women and the babies that they were carrying suffered from post-traumatic stress. The same goes for people who experienced the Space Shuttle Challenger blowing up in 1986. Those who part of 9-11 and the subsequent population of America went through a lot of post-traumatic stress because of the events of that day. The death of Princess Diana in 1977 had a profound effect on many people in the United Kingdom and across the world. John Lennox, one of the world's leading mathematicians and Christian apologists from Northern Ireland, says in response to being asked about COVID-91, that many people are going to suffer a raft of emotions that they won't be able to cope with, that they will not be able to articulate easy. He goes on to say that people will even experience delayed grief or delayed anxiety to such events and it will be incredibly difficult to process. Initial and yet early research coming out of the United Kingdom as to how people have been responding to the COVID-19 lockdown is quite interesting. Many have said that they have loved being with their families and have been challenged about their priorities. Early research is indicating that married couples are coping with the lockdown better than those who cohabit. Just interesting statistics. Also, A common thread has been that many have found that this time has been confronting about many issues in their life, such as anger, forgiveness, or the lack of it, regret and rejection, issues common to followers of Christ and to those who don't follow him. So therefore, over the next three weeks, we are going to explore some of these emotions, some of these, and unpack them and see what we can learn or glean from this time how to respond to some of these things that have come to the surface of our life and put ourselves in a position where God can reshape us, reshape our thinking, reshape our reactions and our emotions. And today I want us to look at the whole area of regret. How do we handle regret? Oh, I wish I had is one of the most confronting phrases one can hear because one does not know really how to respond in those situations. But sadly, it is heard often and with great regularity. 
Oh, I wish I'd never taken that job. I wish I had never gone out with that person. Why did I say what I did? I wish we had waited. Or I wish I'd never married my husband. Or I wish I'd never married my wife. If we have thought such things, it is often our brain's way or our consciousness way of telling us to rethink the choices we have made and not to remain there, but to learn from them. The description of this emotion is regret, and it is not necessarily a bad thing. We can learn from bad decisions we have made and from bad situations that we have gotten ourselves into. I have to confess, I am always very weary of people when asked, when they come to the end of their life, well, would you do anything differently? They would say, oh no, not a thing. I always find that quite a difficult um, answer to absorb. But when our lives do get stuck with regret or are lived out of a spiral of regret that threatens to take out the joy of our lives, leaving us living with regret and fear, that we are gonna be stuck in, then we have a very real problem that needs to be addressed. In an article on the 21st of January, 2013, Bronnie Ware, a singer, talks about her experience when she worked as a care assistant amongst the dying in palliative care. She wrote this, people grow a lot when they are faced with their own mortality. I learned, she continued, to never estimate, underestimate someone's capacity for growth. Some changes were phenomenal. Each experienced a variety of emotions, as expected. Fear, denial, anger, remorse, more denial, and eventually acceptance was the cycle. Each patient found their peace before they died, though. Very interesting statement. She writes, in a book that she published that year about the five biggest regrets that people have faced, the five biggest regrets that they told her. And I often wonder, what would mine be if I have one? What would yours be? I would say many of us would be unlikely to echo the words of Frank Sinatra in his classic song, My Way, where he says, regrets, I've had a few, too few to mention. Many of us live with regrets over our lifetime. Bronnie Ware lists the five. Number one, I wish I had been true to myself and not lived the life others expected of me. Secondly, I wish I had not spent so much time at work and so little time at home. Thirdly, I wish I'd had the courage to express how I felt more honestly. Fourthly, I wish I had stayed in touch with friends more. And fifthly, I wish I'd allowed myself the time to find the things that brought contentment. The five main regrets of people who were on their way into eternity. What is regret? It is a sad feeling, remorseful, or a sense of disappointment over something that we have failed to do or something that we have done. Some studies show that regret is the second most common emotion experienced by humans in daily life and that we can experience it as young as even two years of age. Regret 
It can destroy us. It can eat us up and it can imprison our minds and emotions. It can make us turn away from relationships. It can make us feel entitled and hard to live with because we think we should have had a better life than the one that we have had and we haven't deserved the one that we have actually had to live, that we deserve better. It gives us that sense of entitlement and it can leave us bitter. The celebrity TV chef and writer Anthony Baudin had a tattoo on his arm and that read and was written in ancient Greek and it said this, I am certain of nothing. He committed suicide on the 8th of June 2018, aged 61. In an interview to a men's magazine in 2014, he was asked, what are the benefits of living the life you choose and what are the risks? His reply was, I understand that inside me there is a greedy, gluttonous, lazy hippie. I understand that there is a guy inside me who wants to lie in bed and smoke weed all day and watch cartoons and old movies. I could so easily do this for my whole life is a series of statements to avoid and outwit that guy. I am aware of my appetites and I don't let them take charge. Then he was asked, how should a man handle regret and what was his biggest regret? He said this, regret is something that you just got to live with. You can't drink it away, you can't run it away, or you can't trick yourself out of it. You just have to own it. He continued, I have disappointed and hurt people in my life that there is just something that I am going to have to live with forever. You eat that guilt and you live with it and you own it for your whole life. Incredibly sad words. I believe that we have a better story than this as followers of Christ. We have a way of doing something for and something with our regrets. Wherever we are today, the Christian story of how to handle regret is far more hopeful than anything else, any other scenario. The Christian story through Jesus Christ, it gives us an opportunity for a fresh start. It allows us to know that regret does not have to destroy us. It goes beyond regret, it goes beyond remorse, and it enters into something that can bring freedom and life and hope to the believer. This is the Christian message. The challenge is to break free from the negative cycle of thinking and so that we can grow and learn and change. There is something better and the possibility for every single person who lives with, with regret can know freedom. Therefore, I want us to reflect for a few moments on what the scriptures say about this. What examples do we have from scripture about the whole area of regret? Because regret is in scripture and it is just good to highlight it for a few moments. Genesis shows us where regret first appears in scripture. God looks at the earth, its wickedness, its pride and so much more and says in Genesis 6.6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. It says in 1 Samuel 15, when the people of Israel have appointed a, a king called Saul, the Bible says these words, 
about God. I regret I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. It's in even the broadest sense, God regrets some decisions, and time doesn't really allow us today to unpack this. But it doesn't mean that God is sorry for the things that he has done. But it means that he looks at the things that have happened, and he is sorry about the way that people have responded. It breaks his heart to see people who were given an opportunity and then turn away from it, and he has to intervene. King David, he lived with his regrets. He knew regrets too. Psalm 6, six verses 6 and 7 says these words, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. And then the classic of Psalm 51, verses 8 and 9, David says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Here he is saying, I wish I had never done it. I wish I had never made that mistake. I wish I hadn't said what I did, which is probably true and echoed by us all. Job, of course we have to go to Job. Job chapter 3, verses 3 and 11 says these words of verse 3 let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived and verse 11 says why did I not die at birth come out from the womb and expire imagine wishing you had never been born Job's regret brought him to the point that he wished he could die and I believe that that is a very real regret for some people, and they have experienced that over a lifetime. Peter. Peter denies Jesus three times, brokenhearted by the regret that he had denied his friend and he had let him down. Luke tells us in chapter 22, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. What are we doing with the regrets in our life? How are we handling them? Where are we putting them? Where are we going to navigate where, what effect and influence they have on our life. Do we rehearse them over and over and over again in our mind? And do they come out in the words that we speak? I would like to suggest that a Christian response to regret is not to be caught by it, held by it, or afraid of it, but to go beyond it. So by this, I want to see the difference between regret and the way that the world defines and sees how we should live with it and what God wants us to do with regret. And the starting place is a very simple place for us as believers and it is that of repentance. When we regret something and we don't do anything about it, something will continue to eat away at us. Neither regret nor remorse leads to life. Repentance will. Let me explain. 
The Greek word for, the repent, for repentance is metatonia. It means that you are walking in one direction and God meets you by his power and he challenges us about where we are at. And for repentance to flow in these situations, his desire is to challenge us about our regrets and turn us in a different direction and to walk away from them, to confront us, if I can say it like that, with them and then to make us turn away from them. This is the only way to deal with regret. It is the only way we are going to be set free from the things that are weighing us down and setting a course for our minds and our language and our lives. I choose not to live a life of regret and repent for doing so. And therefore, in his power and through his means, I turn around and I choose to walk away. It will be difficult, but it is possible. For many, regret was something that came about due to valid reasons and circumstances. But we have rehearsed them and we have repeated them in our minds for year after year after year. That it does now have a place in our life that affects us spiritually and it is not healthy. That we were once hurt, something that was done to us, but we have allowed it to dominate and dictate how we think and now we live in regret. We need to turn away and walk towards him. It is the only way to know freedom, to have a mind and a mindset set free from the cancer of regret to being really free and to stop us from resenting the people around us. This is a huge subject. This is a huge tangent. Regret and resentment go hand in hand, but we don't have the time to go into that this morning. It is hard to have one without the other. Very often life lived with full of regrets becomes a resentful life. If we are caught in a cycle of regret, there is only one, to get, one way to get out of it, and that is through Jesus. Turning to him and saying, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. Do it differently. Change that decision. Change that conversation. He knows our hearts. Let's give it to him. When we give him our regrets, our mistakes, our anger, with these things that we have done, that we wish we hadn't done, and things that we did that we would like to undo, when we go to him, he says, leave them with me. We have to turn away. We have to go away from them and give them to him. There is hope for us in the midst of regret. There is life for us. There is the possibility of a different tomorrow for us if we are not bound by the chains of regrets and mistake. As we touched upon earlier, not all regrets are sin. How many of us who hear this would give anything to have one last conversation with someone that we, we didn't have, to tell them that we loved them just in case they had forgotten, to tell them that we were sorry that they never embarrassed us, the opportunities just simply to put a hand on their shoulder and say nothing at all but say everything at the same time. How many of us live with regrets that aren't sins but simply things we wish we had done? Even these can be dealt with by Jesus Christ. He who is the author of life, the one who brings health 
and healing, the one who finishes unfinished conversation, the one who takes all our uncertainties and all our tears and he welcomes them upon himself. Let all unfinished things be finished in him. Let all things that we wish could be undone be undone in him. Let him take them, hold them, carry them, because he is the fulfillment of life. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, quite familiar verses, says this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He says this to a whole community that has got it wrong, that has gone down down the wrong route. But I believe that if he can transform a whole community in this way of thinking, then surely he can do it for us as individuals through the cross. He is the bringer of no, of new, he is the bringer, I should say, of new hope. Don't rehearse our regret for the rest of our life. He doesn't want us to live in that moment again and again, but if we choose to live there, it will only get worse and worse. It will pull us down. It will remain unfinished business, and ultimately, it will suffocate us. I believe God's desire today is to reframe our regrets. As we turn and repent and lay it all at his feet, he takes the regret, the remorse, the mistakes, the longings, all those things that we would like to have done, and he makes it complete in him. Therefore, I would like to make three suggestions how we can reframe regret. Three very simple things that I believe will help shape us in a a different way. First of all, whatever it is we regret today, what can we learn from it? Whatever it was we regret today, what can we learn from it? How do we stop letting it ruin our lives and see what we can learn for it so that we don't make that mistake again going forward? How we shouldn't have replied, how we should have said nothing, how we should have just let it go, how we didn't have to give our opinion, all these things that we wish we hadn't done, We need to be careful that we don't repeat them and that we move forward in a different way. Have you ever received a letter or an email and you know who it's from and you think you know what it says and you just put it in the drawer or you just don't click on it? Have you ever had bills or invoices and have never opened them and placed them in a a wardrobe by expectations that have been put on us by other people? Rather than face it, we've put it out of sight. I will get round to facing that someday. We dismiss, we deflect our regret. We don't face up perhaps to something that needs to be done and learned from it. It doesn't make it any easier, but if we can learn something from those times of regret, then surely that has got to be something that we would embrace and want to do so that we don't go back and live there again. I remember Many of you will know uh, Pastor Daniel Brown who comes and spends time with us as a church and as a leadership. I remember as a young pastor, Daniel saying to me, he says, Chris, whenever you are criticized, 
Whenever anybody says something about you that you don't agree, whenever you hear something that you don't feel comfortable with, he says, don't just dismiss it because you have been offended or you've been upset or you didn't agree. He says, all those things may be completely false, but always ask this question, is there a grain of truth that you can learn something about from what has been said? And that's through my whole life. Whenever anybody has said things about me that I didn't agree or was offended by, my position has always been, is there something there that I can learn? And I believe it's the same with regret. What can we learn from those situations? Secondly, it may well have ended up worse if it wasn't for the grace of God. Interesting research done by a man called Thomas Gilovich professor of psychology at Cornell University in the States. During the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, he examined TV footage of the podium when the award ceremonies were taking place. How do you imagine the people who won gold looked? How do you think the athletes who won silver looked? How do you think that the athletes who won bronze looked? Gilovich has something very, very interesting research. And he writes and he says this, the athletes who won gold were beaming. The bronze medal winner was beaming because they were thrilled that they hadn't, become, they hadn't come forth. Those who won the silver medal overwhelmingly looked sad and disappointment disappointed because they knew that they had nearly got there and instead of enjoying the thrill of being an Olympian and being on the podium the silver medalists were the most despondent and regretful because they did not get what they thought they deserved or even perhaps what they were entitled to fascinating research from the 92 Olympics may I suggest that as we try to reframe our regret it could be it could have been worse but for the grace of God you could have married her you could have married him and that could have been disastrous you could have gone bust if you had done that deal in the context of when I was preparing this I was just obviously thinking about our own situation I just felt God just whisper something in my in my own mind and to my own heart about this uh, an issue like this obviously we have family uh, our son and daughter-in-law are living back in the in the UK and we had hoped to meet up with them later this winter and we had some plans that we were going to go and spend some time with them and we were looking forward to that and now because of COVID-19 who knows when we will our borders will be open and we can go back and see them or they can come and see us and I wasn't beginning wasn't being regretful but I was starting to say no oh, that was a pity oh this is a shame when will we see them and I really felt God speak to me and he says think back in 2019 just last year they live in the UK we live in the New Zealand we saw them on four different opportunities once through the sadness of having to attend a funeral, but three other occasions of joy and celebration and wonderful time. And we had a wonderful, wonderful time with them and great memories just last year. And I just felt God prompt me in my spirit to say, enjoy the memories of what happened in 2019. 
Don't allow 2020 or the early part of 2021 to become a time of regret when you can't see them. Enjoy the time that you had with them and enjoy the way that you can see them on screen. And it really challenged me in that whole area that it could have been worse if it had not been for the goodness of God. We saw them four times last year. Thirdly, may I suggest that we be honest about how we are feeling and get help because it might not be as bad as we think. Perhaps we need perspective on what we are regretful about. Bob Ebeling was the engineer on the space shuttle Challenger that exploded 73 seconds into its flight in 1986. Those of you who are of a certain age, you will remember it. It was just in the air, 73 seconds, what was a successful launch, and sadly, it blew up. In the days prior to the launch, Ebeling went to his superiors to try and have the flight delayed. He wanted to delay it, but they refused. He was concerned that the forecast for the day that it was going to be launched, that the weather, the temperature had dropped and it would affect some of the component parts. He went to them time and time again in the week, in the week running up to the launch, but they refused to listen to him. The 30th anniversary of this disaster was held in 2016. And in an interview, he was asked how he felt. And this is what he said, I warned my superiors that the little O-rings that they were using would fail in the cold weather, that they shouldn't have gone up that day and they ignored me. I live with the regret that it was my fault that they died. He went on to say, I think that one of the mistakes God has made is that he shouldn't have picked me for the job. That was 30 years later. The outpouring of support for Bob was overwhelming. People just ran in and phoned in and emailed and contacted the show. And the outpouring helped him understand that it wasn't his fault, that it wasn't ultimately his responsibility, that the overwhelming support changed something in his mind, changed the way that he thought about the events of 1986. For 30 years, his life had been ruined by regret, but something happened when he got a different perspective. He realized that whilst unbelievably sad, it wasn't his fault nor was it his responsibility, and he didn't need to feel regret and guilt. He got an honest, undiluted opinion, and he realized that there was another way to look at things. He realized that he was not thinking straight. He was not thinking right. He was not thinking rationally. Sometimes as Christians, when we live with regret, we need to get help, advice, and input, and prayer that will help us reframe our regret and our thinking. For those of us who are rapidly approaching 60, or to use a phrase that I'd never heard of 10 weeks ago, or have zoomed past it, there is good news for us and there is bad news for us. The good news is that quite probable that as we get older, regret lessens. We become less and less prone to it. Scientific research done recently in Germany suggests that the aspects of our consciousness that make us regret or feel guilty about issues 
lesson as we get older. That's the good news. The bad news is this. If we don't deal with these issues when we can and when we are prompted to, it will leave us bitter old men and women. We run the risk that if we do not deal with regret, we could end up throwing off all restraint and not being aware of how our lifestyle, our words, our attitudes, our rehearsing of our situation devastate the people around us. It's something that we need to deal with sooner rather than later. I don't want to be a bitter person. I remember, and you probably will have heard me say this before, that I was um, in my 30s and early 40s, I was mentored by a senior pastor in the, in the church organization that I was part of. And one of the things that he always said to me is, Chris, when you get older, stay sweet. And he says, if you want to be sweet when you're an old man, be sweet when you're a middle-aged man. Don't get offended. Don't fill your life with regrets. Stay sweet. Trust God. And in every situation I find myself, I can't always say that I am successful. I hear his words again. Stay sweet. Stay sweet. I'm sure that none of us want to be old, bitter, and twisted. We need to be people that give our regrets to God and to allow his life and grace and freedom to flood into our minds, our lives, and into our attitudes. You know, we all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. We all do things wrong, but we don't have to hold on to them. We lay them at the foot of the cross and they are exchanged for hope and for forgiveness. The offer of the living Christ to us all is his desire to deal with the regret that is in our lives. He has the power to absorb our shame, to take our fear, lift us out of regret, and to give us hope. An offer of life that can deal with regret. In 1904, a young man by the name of William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. He was heir to a fortune acquired through silver mining in Colorado, and he was already a multimillionaire. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. As he traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he had a growing passion and a burden and a concern for the hurting and for the oppressed of the world. He wrote home to his parents and said this, I am going to give my life to, to prepare for the mission field. And at the same time, he wrote two words in the back of his Bible when he was in Europe, and he wrote these two words, no reserves. He gave his life wholeheartedly and held nothing back. Whilst at Yale University in his first semester, he started a small prayer group and it transformed the campus. That little group gave birth to a movement that spread across the whole university. And at the end of the first year, 150 first year students were meeting weekly for prayer and Bible study. As William Borden entered his third year of university, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting for prayer and Bible study every week. He strategized with his fellow leaders to ensure every student heard the gospel. 
But his real passion was still missions. And he decided to reach the people of Ganzhou province in China. So when he graduated from Yale, he put two more words into the back of his Bible alongside what he'd written earlier, no reserves. Now he added the words, no retreat. In line with this, despite many offers of high paying, influential jobs, he enrolled in seminary to become a missionary. On graduating, he went to Egypt to learn Arabic because his chosen area of Gangju was predominantly Muslim. Whilst in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and within a month, 25-year-old William Borden died. However, prior to his death, he wrote two more words in the back of his Bible. He added the words, no regrets. What an incredible story of a young life that was open and available to his master. You know, as we conclude today, a life that has no regrets, not because we, we don't have them, but because they are given to the master. They are given to our savior. A life, as Romans 8 says, free from condemnation with a fresh start available every day, a new horizon every morning with new hope at night. A life that reminds us that we are forgiven, loved, cherished, wonderful, and that our past regrets and mistakes are as not as important as the future promises that God has for our life. My prayer for us all as I close, and it may sound strange, is that we are so frustrated with living with regrets that our passion to see it gone and for things to change is greater than our passion to hold on and to rehearse our regrets. I don't want to live a life like that anymore. And the Jesus who came to set the prisoners free is able to set us free and reframe our regrets in a different way. Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.